You know when you search for something on Netflix, what you get is only a fraction of what they really have? The streaming service actually has more than 18,000 titles globally, but only about 6,000 of those are available in the good old US of A. That means you're missing out on literally thousands of great shows. Unless, of course, you use ExpressVPN. ExpressVPN is an app that lets you change your online location, protecting your devices from unwanted snooping and allowing you to control where streaming services and other websites think you're located. There are over 100 different locations to choose from, which means you have access to thousands of new shows and movies no matter where you live. This doesn't just work with Netflix, it works with Disney+, Hulu, Max, a UK streamer called BBC iPlayer, and more. I was on a work trip in the UK during the final season of Game of Thrones, and I tried logging into my HBO account to watch a new episode, but the technology wouldn't let me because of geoblocking. And I wish I had this app at that moment, because I now realize how incredibly easy it is to work around that problem. Here's a more recent example. It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia is not streaming on Netflix in the US, but I just fired up the episode where Dennis tries to have a peaceful mental health day, and technology keeps interrupting his plans. All I had to do was open ExpressVPN, connect to a UK server, refresh Netflix, and the show just popped up. It's super easy. I've also heard good things about that show called Billions, but I've never been a Showtime subscriber, so I've never seen it. But it's actually available right now on Netflix in South Korea, and with ExpressVPN, it took five seconds to switch over and start checking it out. With ExpressVPN, you get high-quality streaming from devices like your phone, laptop, tablet, and TV, and crucially, it protects your privacy and security to keep your information safe from hackers. Stop missing out on great TV and get thousands of new shows with ExpressVPN. We got them to give you all three extra months free when you use our special link, expressvpn.com slash slash film. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash slash film to get three extra months completely free. For the ones who know safety isn't a catchphrase, it's a culture. And the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe. For the safety-minded who watch everyone's backs, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as safety assessments and training to keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily for Tuesday, December 27th, 2022. On today's episode of the show, we're going to talk about the latest film and TV news and also have a mini water cooler segment. My name is Ben Pearson. I'm an editor at SlashFilm.com, and I'm joined on today's episode by Slash Film staff writer Ryan Scott. Hey, hey everyone. How's it going? Uh, Ryan, I hope you had a really good Christmas. I hope our listeners had a good Christmas, a good little break there. I'm guessing a lot of people probably aren't, you know, ho- hopefully, fingers crossed, people are sort of kind of taking it easy in this in-between period between Christmas and New Year's and hopefully just sort of easing through the finality of, uh, of 2022. And I'm not sure what our podcasting schedule is going to look like this week because we're publishing so much stuff at Slash Film, like so many great um, end of the year lists and stuff like that. I don't know if I'm going to have time to do uh, another podcast this week, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. Anyway, I just, I'm glad to, uh, to be back on the podcast, to be talking to people. And if this is the, the last time that we talk to you, uh, listeners, before 2023, have a happy new year. So I just wanted to get all of that out of the way up top. But Ryan, what has been going on in the world of box office? Uh, Christmas box office weekend, typically uh, sort of, you know, one of the big flashpoints of the year. So what do we need to know? Well, yeah, Christmas can be furl. Uh, uh, also, my apologies to anyone who's listening to this who was on a Southwest Airlines flight. Apparently, they canceled like 90% of their flights today oh, uh, for the rest of the week. So apologies to you people. But um, but yeah, so Christmas, what was interesting about it is that it actually fell on a weekend, like Christmas Eve 
was a Saturday and Christmas was a Sunday. So it was like an actual weekend Christmas. Um, so a few studios decided to throw their hat in the ring to see what they could do. Uh, Universal released Puss in Boots, The Last Wish. Uh, Sony's TriStar Pictures had H Whitney Houston, I Want to Dance with Somebody from the writer of Bohemian Rhapsody. And Paramount Pictures had Babylon, the latest from uh, Damien Chazelle, who uh, you may know from La La Land or Whiplash. Um, still, uh, Avatar The Way of Water ate their lunch. Um, uh, the, the movie uh, Cameron's latest did 64 million over the weekend. Dropped a little over 50%. Um, you know, it's a heavy drop, but it, so, so it's not going to have the legs that the original had. However, um, uh, as of today, it is going to be at $955 million worldwide. It will cross a billion at some point tomorrow. Uh, that's going to make it one of the fastest movies ever to a billion. Um, only thing is, you know, the original, everyone's still looking at that original the original is about 80 million shy of 3 billion worldwide, so it's not going to get anywhere near that. Um, I'm sort of looking at a finish of anywhere between 1.2 and 1.5 billion at this point, depending on legs. Um, but I've also seen budget figures as high as 450 million. So, you know, who knows what that means for profit? And the bigger question is what that means for Avatar 3, is me and Peter kind of discussed recently. But um, as far as the trio of newcomers go, uh, Puss and Boost had the, the had the best uh, debut with twelve point four million, um, you know, which is okay. Uh, it's currently at fifty eight worldwide because it got an early start on the weekend. The original made five hundred and fifty million, so it's got a long way to go. Um, kind of like an okay but not great situation. Uh, I want to dance with somebody was pretty disappointing. Didn't even clear five million over the weekend. Uh, it's only got a $40 million budget. So if it can somehow leg out to around a hundred million worldwide, you know, Sony can maybe call that a win, but not what they were looking for. And, mm -hmm. uh, Babylon is going to go down as one of the biggest bombs of the year. Um, <clears throat> $80 million production budget, less than $4 million, uh, opening weekend debuted to 3.6, uh, like a C plus cinema score, 55% rating on Rotten Tomatoes, nothing to suggest any kind of legs. So you're looking at a movie that's going to be lucky to clear 10 million. Um, yeah. So pretty bad stuff there. Did you see Babylon, Ryan? Have you seen it? You yet? know, I really wanted to, and I, and I still might tonight, but that three hour and 10 minute runtime is putting me off. Um, like it is a lot of people apparently. And also, I don't know that the trailers did a great job of selling it to people, but, uh, but no, have you seen it, Ben? I have. It's, um, my uh, favorite movies of the year list is going to go up on slash film later this week. And I'm not going to tell you where it falls on that list, but it is on that list. So, uh, I really, really like this movie a lot. I think it is like, uh, an assault on your senses. It is like sensory overload for three hours. Um, but there's so much that I love about it. And I know it's like super divisive and obviously it's not doing well, but I just want to encourage our listeners to, you know, if you care about movies and if you like this podcast and, you know, reading about old Hollywood and stuff like that, I think there's, if this movie has somehow slipped under your radar, um, you know, I, I would just encourage people to go check it out. Like whether or not you like it, of course, is like up to, up to the, the individual person. I'm not going to like, promise that everybody's going to like this movie because i think there's a lot of things that uh, can rub people the wrong way about it but um i, I really admired the swing that, that damien Ch chazelle was taking here and i actually had a chance to, to interview him for slash film um last week so I, I will link that in the show notes if people get a chance to see the movie um then i would oh that's great yeah because yeah, I, I love damien chazelle i mean i i've said it before because i think we were talking i don't know if it was just talking to you or peter but 
talking about the menu and like the menu had my favorite ending in a movie since whiplash, like whiplash mm-hmm. has one of the best, you know, and, and I don't particularly like musicals, but I think La La Land's amazing. And, and I thought first man was really good and just not enough people saw it, but yeah, Paramount's going to take a bath on this one. And, and I'm speaking of things that are going up this week. I have a huge end of year box office report card that I'm going to put up and uh, Paramount pictures is actually going to have a pretty significant uh, place in, in that report card because they were the studio this year. They did it right. This mm-hmm. is kind of their one lone blemish in their whole year, but it's a big one. So uh, the big yeah. takeaway for me, though, is that unless you are a franchise um, uh, or a horror movie, you are having a tough time right now. Just to illustrate the the, the current st- status of original films, the menu, a horror movie is going to end up making more than Disney's strange world at the worldwide box office. So even Disney, even an original Disney animated movie is going to have a hard time clearing $60 million. So, I mean, yeah, we're, we're in rough shape in that department, but, um, here's to a better year, I guess. Yeah, exactly. Hopefully 2023 will, uh, things will be looking up a little bit. And I, I, my understanding is that a lot of stuff was still, there are still a lot of like, um, COVID holdovers and things like that. And, um, and 2023 hopefully is going to be a little bit more of like, um, I, I don't know. I haven't looked at the entire, you know, every single week on the calendar, but my sense is that like the floodgates are going to be open a little bit more. So fingers crossed that they actually do release a lot more movies next year than they did this year. Cause I think that was a big problem as well. Um, so, you know, we'll, yeah, we'll it's just the goes. types of movies that are still not making any money, you know, like the Fableman's not making any money empire of light. I don't even think it's made a million dollars. Like, you know, just some of the movies that just yeah. can't make a dime, but you know, we'll see. But so there we go. There's some box ops for you guys. Okay. So let's, uh, let's just jump right into the water cooler, right? And this is going to be a relatively short episode. Um, you mentioned Puss in Boots, The Last Wish. I talked about this. Uh, well, I didn't talk about it. I mentioned that I saw it like, I don't know, it feels like several weeks ago now. And I never actually like talked about the movie. I really, really like this movie a lot. It's like one of my favorite animated movies of the year. Um, have you had a chance to see this one yet, Ryan? No, but I got to tell you, um, uh, I never even saw the first Puss in, Puss in Boots. And, I, and I'm and i one of those people that I will put Shrek 2 up there with, and I'm not kidding, any of the best sequels ever made. Like wow. Shrek 2 is so good. Um, but but uh, but I, I, everyone, the way that people are talking about this movie, I'm absolutely going to go see it. Um, it. People have been really you know, playing it up and I'm, I'm excited to check it out now. Yeah. I, I mean, I liked the first Shrek when it came out in 2001 or whatever year that was. And then I think I saw Shrek two probably once. And then I just sort of like fell off the whole Shrek franchise. Didn't really, you know, keep going on that main timeline there. I did see the original Puss in Boots, which I want to say came out in like 2011 or something. It was and 2011. That was like, yeah. Yeah. That was like a surprising, uh, you know, revival sort of spinoff thing of that franchise. And like, yeah, I thought that was a pretty successful movie. This one is like far and away better than, than that uh, movie because the, the basic premise here is that Puss in Boots, the sort of like debonair, suave, like essentially Zorro, um, you know, version of a, a fairy tale cat kind of character who's, who lives in this world. who's like fighting giants and going on adventures all the time. He's like um, used up all but one, all but his last of, of, uh, of his nine lives. And he's essentially confronted with mortality and like what it means that he doesn't have this, uh, this parachute anymore. And it's it's a movie that really like has this character grappling with what it means to um, 
you know, live in fear of, of dying and like how that completely changes his personality. And he, he goes from this sort of swashbuckling figure, swashbuckling figure to, you know, much more, um, sort of domesticated cat. And then of course he gets called back into action and, uh, reunited with some, some old friends and they, they go on this, uh, adventure together, but it really is a a movie that like takes those very big ideas and and kind of adult ideas, um, very seriously. And I really, really loved the way that the film approached that sort of core theme that that really, um, you know, it explores all the way throughout. So, and, and there's some great, uh, voice acting in here. Um, Antonio Banderas, Selma Hayek, uh, uh, Florence Pugh is a, is one of the supporting characters. John Mulaney voices the, the antagonist of the movie. Um, so there, there's a lot of really fun stuff going on here. And the, the animation looks incredible. It's, it's not quite like um, into the spider verse in terms of like the um, innovation and like jaw dropping, Holy crap. I've never seen this in a movie before kind of thing, but there is some really, really, um, I don't know, just like a uh, very striking imagery where it's like a, a blend of 2d and 3d and there's some, some anime influences in there. And uh, yeah, it's, it's super stylized in a really great way. And um, it's just a really well-written uh, family film. So I, I think it, it sort of um, rises above what you would think, you know, maybe if you see a trailer or something, I, I don't know if they're going to be able to actually um, convey th- the, the, uh, the wide variety of reasons that this movie, you know, the, the, all the things that this movie has in its corner, you know, like the reasons that you, you should go and check it out. So, well, yeah, cause those trailers didn't sell me too much. What sold me is people I really trust talking very effusively like you right now. Like, and that's, what's got me going on it. Yeah. If, if you, you know, saw a trailer or something out there, if you're a listener to this podcast and saw a trailer and just like, you know, wrote it off as like, oh yeah, another Shrek movie or whatever. It's definitely not that. And I love the, the fact that it, it does not wink at, you know, to any of the other Shrek stuff really um, almost at all. I, I don't think there's any, like, it's not one of those sort of franchise movies that is just constantly, um, you know, calling back and nudging and winking and being like, hey, look at these references we're making. It's, it's very um, smartly done. So uh, that is Puss in Boots, The Last Wish. It's in theaters right now. Uh, I also caught up with 3,000 Years of Longing, the new George Miller movie that came out earlier this year. I missed mm. that in theaters. Um, so did, did everyone. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, that, that that actually might be, I, I think, I mean, it. that made my, I put up a list for us of the biggest bombs of the year and that made it. It's hard to sort of quantify what the biggest bomb is, but that's, there. you could make an argument that was the biggest one of the year, unfortunately. Yeah, that's that's really sad because I I really enjoyed the movie. I think there's um so much to recommend with this, like starting with Tilda Swinton and Idris Elba's performances. They're they're great uh, as always. But um George Miller, man, he's just such a, a visionary director. And like I don't know, have you ever seen this movie uh, called The Fall, Ryan? From I think it's 2006. Uh, Tarsem Singh directed it. I have stars, not. Okay, stars Lee Pace, and it's a it was a really really difficult movie to see for a long time. But Roger Ebert was like raving about it back in the day. I remember reading his review and and being like, I have to see this immediately. And uh, I sought this movie out, and I'm not sure if it's streaming anywhere right now. Maybe I'll try to find out before the end of this episode and, and let people know. But man, if you have a chance to see The Fall, it is like one of the most visually dazzling movies I've ever seen. The location work on that film is is just stunning. But uh, the sort of structure of that movie is like a character is telling a story to a little girl and the sort of fairy tale um, story that he's telling the movie cuts from, it's almost like a, like princess bride almost, you know, where, where somebody's telling a story and then it actually 
jumps back in time and, and shows you or jumps to the side, I guess, and shows you that story taking place. And that's a similar thing that happens in 3000 Years of Longing, where um, I guess the, the main action of the movie is um, Idris Elba and uh, he who plays a genie or a djinn and um, Tilda Swinton in a hotel room. And uh, Idris Elba's character is like regaling her with the stories of his past and how he came to be trapped in the bottle and all these adventures that he went on and, and characters that he met and so forth. And all of that stuff is shot. Um, you know, the movie sort of transfers out of the hotel room and, and uh, depicts those, those events. And it's really just like stunning to look at. Um, it's a real shame that it didn't perform very well. I mean, that's like, I know he's already in production on, or maybe even done with production by now on Furiosa, the, the sort of prequel yeah. to... Yeah, Furios is done filming. Yeah. Okay, good. Um, so, you know, he's, he's probably going to be fine. Hopefully, considering how well Mad Max Fury Road did, uh, hopefully there's going to be a big audience still for for um, Furiosa. And and so I hope that means that George Miller gets to continue making movies. But this one re- really feels like a... Um, there's a whole pl- a podcast called Blank Check. That, and this really feels like a Blank Check movie where... Uh, where you know Fury Road earned all these Oscars and did all you know made all this money and and was like this big international sensation and and a movie that everybody seems to love directors uh, audiences whatever and it just feels like he finally was like okay I'm going to take all this clout and put it into this, this smaller movie that I care a lot about and unfortunately it just didn't connect with a lot of people but I think I think it's really still worth watching um, you can quibble with like the very end of the movie um, I I'm, I didn't love the way that it everything completely wrapped up but there's so much in here that's uh that's really great that i have no problem recommending it um to people so that's called three thousand years of long it's available on i think streaming and, and uh you can rent it and all that stuff right now all right we're going to take a quick break and we will be right back for the ones who know safety isn't a catchphrase it's a culture and the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe for the safety minded who watch everyone's backs Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as safety assessments and training to keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, getting into the Christmas releases, I just wanted to mention, uh, I rewatched Klaus, which came out in, I think, 2018, 2019, the animated movie. It's on Netflix. It's a Netflix I original. still have not watched that. People have told me it's great. It's incredible, right? It's so good. I, I know I talked about it when it, it first came out a couple of years ago, but I just wanted to reiterate, like, uh, I guess maybe I've missed the boat now because it's December 27th and who wants to watch a Christmas movie now after having spent this entire month probably watching Christmas movies, but make sure to like, you know, go into your, uh, into your calendar app and set a note, uh, uh, an alert or something for December, 2023 and remind yourself to watch Klaus then, because, uh, it's like one of the best examples of turning something, um, that we all know, the idea of Santa Claus into intellectual property and like um, creating like an origin story for a thing that we all know in a way that does not feel 
uh, corporate or um, cringy or like uh, manipulative or um, you know all the things that that you would expect from the idea of like oh god they're doing an origin story for Santa Claus that sounds terrible no this is like uh, Lord and Miller level of like taking a bad idea and turning it into something really really good because of the execution so um, Klaus is on Netflix if you want to check that out uh, maybe if, I don't know if anybody wants to watch it after Christmas, it's, it's probably going to be sitting there for a while, but, um, yeah, maybe set an alarm for next year to check it out, especially you, Ryan. I'm curious to, to see what you think about that one. And then, uh, we both rewatched, uh, Die Hard. Sure so did. I'll, I'll just let you take the, the lead on this one. What do you think about your most recent viewing of this movie? Uh, it's one of, so me and my girlfriend just moved into an apartment and, uh, she, so I wasn't there most of the week cause I was at home visiting family. So I got home Christmas night, like evening of Christmas. And we, like the first thing we did was like, we exchanged presents and we like, I, you know, I was like, Hey, so like I watched Die Hard pretty much every Christmas. Like I would love it if, you know, we did that together. And she was like, great. So she hadn't seen, she's not like me. She hasn't seen it a thousand times, but I, what always blows my mind when you watch Die Hard is like, you know, like in your head, you're like, I know this movie's pretty much perfect but then you just you get 20 minutes into it and you're like oh my god what a wonderful premise for a film i love this and you're just like it's like it's like you've never seen it before and it's one of those movies that just sucks you in it is seriously it is my fourth favorite movie of all time and there is such a good reason for that like it is just i it is just perfect on every level there's not a wasted frame in that movie it just I don't know. Bruce Willis is not like the jacked action star. He's like the everyman action guy and just every, I don't know. I mean, what can you say about this movie that hasn't been said, but like I'll, all I can tell you is uh, 24 years later, this movie or 34 years later, uh, this movie holds up like nobody's business. It's great. Yeah. I, yeah, I agree. I mean, it's become like over the past, I don't know what it's been, 10, at least 10 years now, there's been like the, this conversation of whether or not it's a Christmas movie has like dominated the internet. It's like one of those things that will never die. It's just like the conversation keeps coming up over and over again to the point where it almost feels like it, it um, not quite ruined the movie for me, but like made me like kind of roll my eyes and like groan a little bit at the idea of watching it just because there, you know, that happens sometimes when like the discourse poisons a thing so much that it just sort of puts me off to a subject. But like you said, as soon as you put it on, it's like, oh yeah, like all of that is just nonsense. That is, you know, just noise happening on the fringes because this movie is like this, this pure object that is just like so perfect as it It, exists. it, It speaks to the power of it, that it can rise above any, you know, nonsensical conversation the internet wants to have about it. And it just like, exists on this pedestal of like, you know, brilliant action, like wonderful character work, like every single thing about it. I, I love the, the, the sort of process nature of it where like Hans Gruber and his guys show up and they're just like silent for a long time. And they're just like doing stuff and you're just watching people do things, um, you know, go step by step. And it's so like procedural in that way. And it's so satisfying just to like watch all of these things play out in this order. I know it sounds dumb or simple or whatever, but like th- there's a, um, a majesty to this movie in, in that simplicity, I think. No. And it's even, even goes down. And also I'll never get over the fact that this was, uh, um, Alan Rickman's first movie, like his yeah. first, like, it's just crazy that he gets to be the second greatest movie villain of all time. You know, like with it for his first movie role. And and I love that it is just as simple as like sometimes you don't need to complicate things like, oh, no, we just want a shitload of money. 
Like we don't want, we're literally posing as terrorists to make this complicated for the outsides. We just want a shitload of money. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's just like, I love that. It's that simple. I love that. It's like, literally like, this is the most efficient way for us to get $640 million, you yeah. know? And just like, and, and, and I don't know. I just, it, it, every time I watch it, I think maybe the magical wear off, maybe some, and, and it just, it doesn't ever disappoint. It is one of those movies for a reason. So I have to ask you, you said the second greatest uh, villain of all time. Who, who's the greatest, Ryan? Come on, it's Darth Vader. We all like. There's no, there's no getting around that Darth Vader is the greatest. Like, the, the, there's no if ands or buts about that. I don't. I that's one of those ones where I don't want to hear any cute discussion about like, <laughs> like about like. Oh no, no, it's it's Darth Vader, and there isn't like it's 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 a fight for second place. That's all that it's ever been. Like <laughs> since 1977, that's all that it's ever been. Okay, fair enough. Uh, <laughs> maybe that'll be a conversation for another podcast that you may or may not be on, if you, depending on your uh, your tolerance for cute discussion about it. Um, okay, what else have you been watching, Ryan? Um, so I on the plane ride home and the aforementioned plane ride, I rewatched Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which um, it was weird. When I first watched it, it was maybe my second least favorite Tarantino movie, and it is now... It's hard because he's one of my favorite directors, but it's it's moved very far up the list. It was a movie I didn't fully grasp the first time I watched it. And then and then it, it's really become kind of a comfort watch for me, um, along with Hateful Eight, weirdly enough. Uh, but yeah, like I, I really I think I'm the only one I feel like I feel like I'm the only one that thinks Hateful Eight's as good as it is. But but uh, but yeah, I, I love Hateful Eight. Chris Evangelista really loves Hateful Eight. He, he did an interview with Tarantino a few years ago about that. Um, and uh yeah, man. Like the thing about what you're saying, though, Ryan, is it's really interesting. Obviously, they're both directed by the same, written and directed by the same person, but the uh, the tonality of those two movies could not be more different. And yeah. you still consider both of them like comfort movies, which is really interesting. For back to back, but Tarantino's like that for me. He's been, I mean, because because again, going back to my favorite movies of all time, you know, Pulp Fiction is one of them. Pulp Fiction was one of the movies that sort of, you know, all like made me into a, like a film guy. You know, like that was one of those like, oh, I love film now. Like, but so, yeah, it's just one of those. I mean, I don't have anything to say about the movie that hasn't been said already. It's just it's, I, I can tell you guys three years on. It's still good. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, you know, that's all I can really tell you. I. That's great. Uh, but yeah, as far as uh, as far as new stuff goes, I was trying to get caught up on some end of year stuff just for my personal, you know, whatever. And I watched I had a weird double feature last week. I watched uh, Deadstream, which is uh, the Shutter original found footage horror film that a lot of people have been talking about. And then I watched Chip and Dale Rescue Rangers on Disney Plus. Uh, and uh, it was a all I can say is the double feature finished stronger than it started. Mm. Uh, Chip and Dale is so good. Everyone told me that it was, but it's so good. Um, I know you've seen it, right? You so you've seen Chip and Dale. I have. And I really enjoyed it. Yes. I know my one of the funniest like people talked about it like oh it's funny and i'm like okay i thought but it is like like gut bustingly funny at times like there's a point where they go they have to go investigate something they're going to like this you know really like oh it's like this cute wonderful street with all these you know characters on it and then i think it's chip is explaining like no 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 like everything underneath the surface is terrible and he talks about like this girl that like you know, arranges Muppet fights and like all this stuff. And it just was like one of, it, when the words Muppet fights left his mouth, I was just like in tears. Um, I thought it was so good. So if that somehow slipped under your radar, I, I mean, it, it's like 90 minutes worth of just absolute delight. Um, yeah, I would. So I, w I would definitely hard recommend for Chippendale for me. 
here's a question, Ryan. Do you think that movie, now having seen it, do you think that movie would have done well if they released it theatrically? Yes. I think they screwed up so bad by like, because I think there was a good marketing camp. They didn't market it right. Like, because they were, they were marketing for a streaming release. So they weren't marketing for a theatrical. I, I certainly don't think they had anything to lose going theatrical. Like, I think they, I think that there was a chance that movie broke out. Especially there were a couple of periods where things lulled this year, where there were not much, where there wasn't much coming out. I think Disney could have absolutely. And I think, and again, going to the box office report card, I'm going to write up. I think one of the things we learned that like with an expensive movie, there's, there's very little evidence for like a streaming only release being a good idea anymore. Cause even like something like Lightyear, which bombed at the box office. Well, it did tremendously well on Disney plus after the fact. So like, you know, there wasn't really an argument to be made that should have only went to streaming because it there's an argument to be made that that theatrical release, even though it wasn't great overall, ended up boosting its numbers on streaming later. Mm-hmm. So I just think that, you know, Chippendale, it might have had a chance to break out. But even if it had done modestly well in theaters, it would have probably become an even bigger hit on Disney Plus after the fact. So I just yeah. think. I think there's very little argument anymore for like a for like an even mid to high budget movie going direct to streaming. But that's, you know, so. Yeah. Yeah. And then you also uh, you mentioned Deadstream. Um, I've not I don't have Shudder. Um, I've heard a lot of people say actually good things about this one. I think Jacob is a big fan of this one. But it sounds like you it wasn't really up your alley. Uh, so I actually am a big fan of a good found footage movie. And now let me just say this is one of those situations where by no fault of the movie's own, this movie got a lot of like really 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 loving reviews from people that i really trust people loved this movie so i went into it like really hyped up and it's good but i just think that level of hype didn't quite like i had a hard time sort of meeting the hype level that had been hit in my head so it's like Mm -hmm. a good movie so it's not fair for me to say anything like that that's that's like the the world putting stuff on that movie that like isn't the movie's burden to bear. Right, right. You know, like, so, so that was where I kind of ended up with it, but um, it's good. It's funny. Like it, it's a very like inventive, you know, like the, the basic premise is this um YouTube streamer is like, he just faces all of his fears on his YouTube channel and he just came off like a two month ban. So he goes for like his biggest fear, which is ghosts. So he goes to spend like a haunted night in a haunted house. And it just, you can imagine it goes South from there. And, and like, it's, the guy, I don't know the actor's name, but the guy, he's like pretty much on Canada 95% of the time is really funny. And like, just, he has to spend half the movie just yelling and screaming and being in pain. <laughs> and like, you know, it, it, um, it's fun. It's a fun watch. It just, people made it seem like it was going to be, you know, life-changing in some way. And I can't say yeah. that it got there, but it's a, it's a fun watch and it's a quick watch. So like, if you've got shutter, absolutely give it a spin. Just, you know, hopefully you don't end up in the situation where I did where, you know, people made it seem like it was going to be the godfather of found footage movies and it, and it kind of wasn't that okay. uh, honor belongs to Cloverfield for the record. But, you know, yes. Oh, man. What a great movie. OK. <laughs> uh, all right. Yeah, I think that's going to bring us to the end of today's episode. You can find more about a lot of the stuff that we mentioned on today's show at SlashFilm.com, linked inside the show notes of this episode. SlashFilm Daily is published every weekday, except for this week. I'm not sure. Like I said, hopefully we'll see what happens. Uh, the show brings you the most exciting news from the world of movies and TV, as well as a deeper a deeper dive into the great features that we have on SlashFilm.com. You can subscribe to the show on Apple, Google, Overcast, Spotify, all the popular podcast apps. Please subscribe to our newsletter. There's a link in the show notes. Send your feedback, questions, comments, concerns, and mailbag topics to us at peter at SlashFilm.com. Make sure to leave your name and general geographic location in case we mention your email on the air. 
Don't forget to rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts. Tell your friends, spread the word. Thanks for listening, and we will talk to you next time. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.